0: Take your Bibles and turn, not to Isaiah, but to Mark chapter 4. The Lord has given me a specific word for today, and I feel led to share it with you. And uh, we'll get back to Isaiah. We've got all year to do that, amen? But uh, I felt led to share with you a text, and um, it's about Jesus going through a storm. And I believe we have heard this morning that the battle belongs to the Lord, amen? In two different songs that we've sung today, it talked about that, and we are in a battle. And I don't know of a a time in my life when I have seen more tension and more uh, struggle and more of a storm than I have seen it Uh, today. The Lord gave me this on Monday. I uh, flew to Miami that day, Florida, and preached to a bunch of preachers down there in Miami. And the Lord, uh, I came back, I'd shared it with Donna, and she said, uh, sweetheart, you need to preach that Sunday. And I said, uh, okay, I'll pray about it. But you know, when Donna says something, you know, kind of like it's a done deal you know so I prayed about it and he said she's right and I should have known that but uh, uh I just really feel led of the Lord to share this with you today because I believe many of you are going through storms I believe you're going through hard times I believe that uh we've all been through a storm in recent years the last couple of years I've just never seen anything like them uh COVID has taken many lives. A lot of people have died. I've got dear friends who have died. We had a dear friend just this last week that we prayed through. She almost died. And uh, she's pulled out now. But we also had the elections in the fall of 2020. What a storm that was. And all that uh, came about it. And then the division, as I mentioned earlier, on COVID vaccines. Some people are so against them. Some people are so for them. And it's dividing many churches. I don't know if you know that or not, but it's dividing the, the, the people of God. And as the Bible says, these things ought not to be. That, that ought not to divide the, the house of God. We've got to have more mercy than that. When you look at people, it just seems like people are on the edge. When I was in the airport the other day, people were yelling at each other. I'm talking about... In people's faces. I I just thought, where am I? What planet am I on? People are mad, angry, frustrated. Yeah, we're going through a storm. So let's look at Mark chapter 4, verse 35 through the end of the chapter. On that day when evening came, he said to them, let us go over to the other side. Underline that phrase that he said. Highlight it, circle it, whatever you want to do. Let us go over to the other side. Leaving the crowd, they took him along with them in the boat, just as he was, and other boats were with him. And there arose a fierce gale of wind, and the waves were breaking over the boat, so much so that the boat was already filling up. Jesus himself was in the stern, that's the back of the boat, asleep on the cushion. And they woke him and said to him, teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? And he got up. And hey, look at me, when Jesus gets up, something's about to happen, amen? He got up, he rebuked the wind, he said to the sea, hush, be still. And the wind died down. And it became perfectly calm. That is the sea did. Then he said to them, Why are you afraid? Say that with me. Why are you afraid? Say it again. Why are you afraid? How is it that you have no faith? Say that with me. How is it that you have no faith? Look at me. You can't be afraid and have faith at the same time. can't. They became very much afraid and said to one another, who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? Lord, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight. Lord, our rock and our redeemer. In Jesus' name, if that's your prayer, say amen. Facing the storms of life. Five things. Number one, Jesus promises to bring you through your storm. Look at verse 35. On that day, when evening came, he said to them, Let us go to the other side. Jesus had been teaching large crowds by the Sea of Galilee. When we go to Israel, people have asked me, What's your favorite part of Israel? Hands down, Sea of Galilee. Sea of Galilee, that's it. I like it better than Jerusalem. I like it better than any other place. Sea of Galilee. And he'd been teaching them. He'd been teaching them the parables. You remember the, the parable of the sower and the seeds and the soil. Also the uh, mustard seed. He was teaching the crowd and then he would explain the parables to his disciples. We read that immediately prior to our text in Mark 4, 33 and 34. With many such parables, Jesus was speaking the word to them so far as they were able to hear it or understand it. And he did not speak to them without a parable, but he was explaining everything privately to his own disciples. So Jesus has taught them through parables, but now he's going to teach them through a storm. He knew a storm would take place even before it arose. Just before the storm He gave his disciples a promise. Did you catch it when I read it a while ago? Let us go over to the other side. Say it with me. Let us go over to the other side. Whether his disciples heard it or not, he gave them the promise that they were going to make it to the other side. Now this Baptist preacher is about to get happy. Beforehand, he said we're going to make it to the other side and Jesus, when he promises something you can bank on it. Jesus promised to bring his disciples through the storm. let's go to the other side. I played football from the eighth grade to the soft, through my sophomore year of college at a little school called UT Martin. Un, without doubt, the hardest time was the summer of my 10th grade year we had 35 guys out for high school football. Our little uh, freshman team had gone six and oh, uh, and we were coming on to a team that did not have a, a, varsity team did not have a winning season in almost 20 years. It was hot, humid, and miserable. And 35 guys out on the team, we were not doing good at all. We had a great coach, Bobby Newby, who had just come to Dyersburg, he was a winner. Practice was so bad, he just shut everything down. He said, let's walk out. We were on the practice field. He said, let's go over to the stadium. He walked into the end zone. He said, you guys stand on the 10-yard line. And he said, I want to tell you guys, I'm a winner. I know how to win. And you can be winners, but we're not going to make it unless we come together as a team. And if you'll do what I say, we will come together as a team and we'll win. This team has not had a winning season in 20 years. It's about time we had one. And he said, I'm going to work you harder than you've ever worked. It's going to be tough, but if you'll go through what I'm asking you to go through, we'll come together and we'll win. If you're in, walk off of that 10-yard 10, 10 line and come over to the end zone with me. And we all, 35, walked over there. The next three weeks, hardest weeks of my life we hit each other we had two a day practices it was tough we were sweating we were sore those three weeks were the hardest weeks of my life but the next three years were some of the most fun years of my life we went eight and three my sophomore year first in season in dyersburg high school history and for 20 something years next year we went 10 and one hey back then we were nine and one and didn't make the playoffs. You had to win out back then. Nowadays, all you have to do is have a team and you make the playoffs. Amen? <laughs> yeah, that's right. Don't get me on that. <laughs> and then we went 10 and one. We played a little bowl game. And then my senior year went to state playoffs, went 10 and two, third in the state. But it all went back to that storm, that three week storm that we had to go through to come together as a team. Interestingly, after we had a winning season, we had about 70 people on the team. Everybody wanted to join them. But we had to go through a storm. Coach Nibia said, I'll give you victory, but you got to go through the storm. Jesus says, I'll get you to the other side, but you got to go through the storm. Some of you are in a storm of sickness. Jesus can either heal you or he can take you home, and either way, it's good for a Christian. Amen. Some of you are in a sickness or in a storm. You've got enemies coming against you. Jesus will fight your battles like we sang today. The battle belongs to the Lord. You pray and you fast and you watch God move you forward in that battle. Some of you have a storm in your family. Some of you have a storm in your marriage. Some of you have a storm with a wayward child. Some of you have a storm with fear. Some of you have a storm with discouragement. He will make a way when there seems no way. And God gives us promises from the Bible to get through our storms. You say, what are those? Well, I'll give you four right now. Look on the screen and read them with me, all right? These are promises that'll get you through your storm. Here they are, Psalm 23, verse four. Read it out loud, good and strong, like you believe it, all right? Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death... I fear no evil. Say that again. I fear no evil. Why? For you are with me. Your rod and staff, they comfort me. Let's praise God that he's with us in the valley. Amen? Amen. We're not through now. Deuteronomy 31, verse 8. This is one of my favorite verses. The Lord is, read it with me now. The Lord is the one who goes ahead of you. He will be with you. He will not fail you or forsake you. Do not fear or be dismayed. Look at that back up there real quick. The Lord is the one who goes ahead of you and he will be with you. How can God be up there and here? Because he's God. He's up there ahead of me and he's right here with me. (laughs) I remember the day I saw that. I shouted, amen. Amen. Now we can go to the next one, good. Isaiah 54, verse 17, read it with me. No weapon that is formed against you will prosper. Every tongue that accuses you in judgment, you will condemn. Come on, read with me. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord, and their vindication is from me, declares the Lord. One more, let's, let's go to that last one, Philippians 4, 13. Come on now. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Let's thank God for his promises today. He's gonna to get us to the other side, amen? He's going to get you through that storm. Let's go to the other side. Say it with me. Let's go to the other side. Jesus promises to bring you through your storm. Number two, Jesus does not promise to prevent your storm. Not an amen in the bunch. Let's go back to point one. No, let's stay on point two. Look at verse 36. Leaving the crowd, they took him along with them in the boat, just as he was, and other boats were with them, They left the crowd. They got in the boat, and a storm broke loose. Look at verse 37. There arose a fierce gale, literally a mega hurricane of wind. Hurricane is bad enough, but a mega hurricane, that's bad. That's exactly what it is in the Greek, a mega hurricane. And the waves were breaking over the boat, so much so that the boat was already filling up. How many of you know that if you're in a boat, the water's supposed to be on the outside, not on the inside? Amen? Amen. Water starts getting on the inside. Bad things are happening. Water was coming in. Waves were breaking over the boat. Boat was filling up. They were in danger. These are seasoned fishermen. These are not people that don't know what the lake is like. They lived on this lake. They made their living out of this lake. And they were petrified. They were scared to death. It was a real storm. Not a fabric. They weren't being sissy. No, no, these guys were tough. I think about old Daniel. Prophet of Daniel, one of the greatest prayer warriors in the Bible, prayed three times a day for over sixty years. Do the math—that's over sixty thousand times of prayer. Now I know some Baptists that can't pray one time a day, can't pray five minutes a day. Man, alive! Daniel was arrested because he was arrested because he prayed. They had made it illegal to pray, and he said, "I." I'm going to pray anyway. And he opened his windows and he prayed toward Jerusalem three times that day and they arrested him threw him in the lion's den. But guess what? God protected him, but God did not keep him from going to the lion's den. He put him in there so he would know that God can handle any lion there is. How many of you know that the lion of Judah is bigger than any lion on this earth? Amen. And so Daniel learned that. He learned it through a storm. He was a righteous man, a godly man, but he went through tough times. Sometimes people say, oh, if you'll just live for Jesus, you'll never go through a storm. Eh. <laughs> All followers of Jesus go through storms. Jesus said so in John 15, 20. Remember this word that I said to you. A slave is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, read the last part out loud, good and strong. They will also persecute you. Acts 14, 22. Strengthening the souls of the disciples. Why did they need strength? Encouraging them to continue the faith. Why did they need encouragement? Because they were saying, through many tribulations, we must enter the kingdom of God. Paul said in 2 Timothy three twelve. indeed all, everybody say all. all. Indeed all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Hebrews 11 is the great hall of faith. Faith, And he talks about how these great people of God lived in faith in the Old Testament. He said, what more shall I say? For time will fall fail me if I t- tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, Samuel, and the prophets. I can feel his pain. He's a, he's a preacher running out of time in his sermon. Amen? Time will fail me. Who by faith conquered kingdoms, performed, Acts of righteousness, obtained promises, shut the mouths of lions, quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword. From weakness were made strong, became mighty in war, put foreign armies to flight. Women received back their dead by resurrection. And others. Whoa. He's about to pivot. And Others. were tortured, not accepting their release so that they might obtain a better resurrection. Others experienced mockings and scourgings, yes, chains and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawn in two. You go read about what that is. It's gruesome. That's exactly how Isaiah died under wicked Manasseh. Manasseh, the most vile king ever in Judah, had him sawn in two. They were tempted. They were put to death with the sword. They went about in sheepskins, goatskins, destitute, afflicted, ill treated men of whom the world was not worthy, wandering in deserts and mountains and caves and holes in the ground. No, Jesus doesn't promise to prevent your storm. Thirdly, Jesus modeled exercising faith during a storm. Now I just want to tell you, this is where God spoke to me in this text. This, what I'm about to share with you is a fresh word that i never had before I saw this. Aren't you glad that you can read the Bible and just read it and read it and read it and all of a sudden, boom! (laughs) I'm here! (laughs) I've been here all the time! God says, I want to teach you something, son. Jesus himself, 38, was in the stern, asleep on the cushion. For years, I thought, you know, he was probably sleepy. He'd been working hard, and maybe he was. But recently, I believe the Lord showed me something additional. I believe, now listen, that when Jesus was sleeping in the back of that boat, look at me, he was modeling what it means to walk in faith. He was saying, I just gave you a promise. Now, if you really believe that promise, let me show you what you'd be like. And he racked out, he was sawing logs. Amen. He was sleeping. He was resting in the arms of God. He knew that he didn't come to drown. He knew that he had come to die on a cross. He had already told him, we're going to the other side. It was a done deal as far as he was concerned. He didn't believe that the storm was going to take him down. He didn't worry about the water in the boat. You know, Jesus and water, he's on top of it, amen? So he, he didn't worry about all that. He didn't worry about the storm. He didn't worry about anything. Oh, but we can't do that, but that's exactly what we're supposed to do. That's exactly what we're supposed to do. That's exactly what you're supposed to do and what I'm supposed to do. When we've got a problem, if we're walking with God, we ought to say, Lord, Jesus, I give it to you. I can't handle it, but you can handle it. I'm not gonna worry about it. It's all yours. I believe Jesus was probably thinking something like Isaiah 26, three, read this with me. One of my favorite verses in the Bible, thou wilt keep him. Read it with me now. Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace. How many of you want perfect peace? Anybody out there? Amen. Whose mind is stayed on thee because he trusteth in thee. You got to get your thoughts right. You got to get your mind right. You say, well, I can't help what I think. Yes, you can. Don't ever say that again. You can get in the word of God and you can change the way you think. And when you change the way you think, you will change the way you act. Get your mind right. Take those thoughts captive in the name of Jesus. And say, I'm not letting that stuff in my mind. I'm not letting all that fear in my mind. I'm letting that, not letting that discouragement in my mind. I'm not letting that lust in my mind. I'm not letting that anger in my mind. I'm not letting that gossip in my mind. I'm not letting that in my mind. No, my mind belongs to Jesus. Amen. Jesus knew that a mega hurricane couldn't kill him. And he, they woke him and they said to him, teacher, don't you care that we're perishing? That mega storm exposed their many faith, their little bitty faith. Their eyes were on the wind and the waves, not on Jesus. They All they could see was a mega storm. They didn't know they had a mega savior right there with them. They accused him of not caring. One of the screaming disciples in that boat was Peter. Later on, you can read about it in Acts chapter 12. Peter and James got arrested, and Herod had James killed, the first apostle to die, as a martyr. They threw Peter in jail and said, we're going to kill him later on after the feast. And The Bible says the night before Herod was supposed to bring Peter out, Peter was biting his nails and said, What am I going to do? What am I going to do? They're going to they're kill me. They're no. He was chained to two guards and he was sleeping like a baby. If somebody was going to kill you tomorrow, would you get a good night's sleep so you'd be fresh for it? He was sleeping like a baby. Where did he learn that? In the storm. Look at me, look at me. Don't you be checking out on this one. Don't worry about this. Don't let the devil steal this from you. You will learn things in storms that you will never learn any other way. So I thank him for the mountains. I thank him for the valleys. I thank him for the storms he's brought me through. For if I never had a problem, I'd never know that God could solve them. I'd never know what faith in his word could do. Let's give him praise right now. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Acts 12, 6, I'll read it to you. On that very night when Herod was about to bring him forward, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers. I'm, I just imagine those soldiers stunk, too. Amen. They stunk a word, they smelled bad, all right? Bound with two chains, guards in front of the door were watching over the prison. He modeled. Peter rested and modeled exercising faith during the storm. What about you? Are you in a storm? How are you reacting? Are you screaming like the disciples who had no faith? Or are you exercising your faith? Are you resting? I'm giving you these verses, not just so I can add time to it, but to give you promises. I want to, When you go through a storm, here's a promise that'll bring you through. Psalm 27, verse one. And there are hundreds of them. But here's a good one. Read it with me, please. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Here it is now. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the defense of my life. Whom shall I dread? That's pretty stout. Psalm 118.6. Read it with me now. The Lord is for me. Let's let's read that again. Some of y'all don't believe that. Read it again. The Lord is for me. Look at me. What does that mean? What does it mean that the Lord is for you? The Lord is for you. That's what it means. He's not against you. The Lord is for you. If you're walking with him, the Lord is for you. And what does that mean? Read the next part. I will not fear. Say it again. I will not fear. Do you see that? It's in your will. You can choose to fear or not to fear. Fear may run in your family, but you can draw a line in the sand and say, no more, it's not passing on to my kids. No more of this anxiety. No more of this fear. I will not fear. Why? What can man do to me? Put that back on the screen. Thank you. What can man do to me? Well, they can kill you. So what? Get to go be with Jesus. Free trip to heaven. Amen. Amen. Get your mind right and you'll get your life Isaiah 51, 12, and 13. I, even I, am he who comforts you. Who are you that you're afraid of man who dies? This little piddly man over here, he dies. And the Son of Man, who's made like grass, that you've forgotten the Lord your maker. And listen, you know what I did? I stretched out the heavens, I laid the foundations of the earth that you fear continually all day long because of the fury of the oppressor as he makes ready to destroy. But where is the fury of the oppressor? It's all a game with the devil. And he is lying to you and telling you, this is gonna happen. Oh, what if this happens? Well, let's go down this rabbit hole. Well, what if this happens? Let's go over here and go down this rabbit hole. Well, what if this happens? Oh, have you thought about this? How many of you know what I'm talking about? constantly to say, nope, that's not of God because my God doesn't want me to fear. My God wants me to walk in faith. I'm not gonna go down that rabbit hole. I'm not gonna go down any of that stuff. No way, I'm gonna walk with God. Greater is he who's in me. just start quoting scripture left and right, man. Greater is he who's in me than he is in the world. Just do that kind of stuff. You say, brother Steve, that sounds crazy. No, you're gonna go crazy if you don't do what I'm telling you. I'm telling you. You can go nuts with the devil torturing your mind. When we walk with the Lord in the light of his word, what a glory he sheds on our way. While we do his goodwill, he abides with us still and with all who what? Trust and what? Obey. We gotta trust. Model exercising. We gotta model exercising faith during the storm. Number four, Jesus is able to calm any and every storm. How many of you believe Jesus is able to handle your storm? Amen? (laughs) Look at verse 39. And he got up. (laughs) I love that. And he got up. He rebuked the wind, said to the sea, hush, be still. And the wind died down and it became perfectly calm. He got up. Means he arose completely. He didn't just kind of, well, I'm going to get up here. No, no, he just stood straight up in that boat. That water was at his feet. He didn't care. He stood up. I love it. He was up for the challenge. No storm stood a chance when he stood up. He had no fear. He stood straight up. He got up. He rebuked the wind. He said to the sea, hush, be still. He rebuked the wind when he said, hush. He rebuked the sea when he said, be still. And look at me, that wind and that sea had no option. Their creator had spoken and they hushed and they were still. And the wind was gone. Their creator had spoken. The wind died down and became, you ready for this? Perfectly calm. Now when you go to the Greek, that's, Mega calm. They'd gone from a mega hurricane to a mega calm. They'd gone from a fierce gale of wind to perfectly calm. When Jesus does something, it's perfect, amen? Mega calm. His disciples learned Jesus is able to calm any storm and every storm, even a mega hurricane. I'm reading through Acts every month this year chapter a day, there are 28 chapters. I read it on the day of uh, the month. I read the 23rd chapter today, because it's the 23rd. And in Acts chapter 27, it's my favorite book in the Bible. That's not all I'm doing, I'm reading it. I got a couple of other reading plans I'm doing too, but Paul was a prisoner in Acts 27. He was on a ship on the way to Rome. He had always wanted to go to Rome, but now he's going as a prisoner. And when he was out there, a severe storm came. You can read about it in Acts 27. And there were over 200, well, there were 276 people on the boat, big boat. But it was so violent in the Mediterranean, they were throwing the tackle over, they were throwing the cargo over, just trying to lighten the load so they could survive. And everybody, the Bible says, lost hope. You know, when you lose hope, you're going down. When you lose hope. But God came to Paul in a vision at night, and everything changed. The next day, as we were being violently storm-tossed, Put that on the screen there. They began to jettison the cargo on the third day. They threw the ship's tackle overboard with their own hands since neither sun nor stars appeared for many days. No small storm was assailing us. From then on, all hope of our being saved was gradually abandoned. When they had gone a long time without food, then Paul stood up in the midst and said, Man, you ought to have followed my advice and not to have left and to set sail from Crete and incurred this damage and loss. Yet now I urge you to keep up your courage for there will be no loss of life among you but only of the ship. For this very night an angel of the God to whom I belong and have and whom I serve stood before me, saying, don't you be afraid, Paul. You must stand before Caesar, and behold, God has granted you all those who are sailing with you. Therefore, keep up your courage, men, for I believe God. I'm gonna read it again. Therefore, keep up your courage, men, for I believe God, that it will turn out exactly as I have been told. (laughs) Hallelujah belongs there. Jesus was able to calm any storm and Paul got to Rome. Paul witnessed in Rome. Paul didn't die at the sea. Jesus' disciples didn't die in the sea. Which do you believe is bigger God or your storm? That's where, you, that's where it comes down to. I've developed a little thing called a God box. It's my main things that I'm praying about. I put them in my God box. I think I got them right here. Yep, God box. You say, what's the box? A rubber band. I pray over them every day. Things that I'm really wanting to pray about. You say, what are they? None of your business between me and God. It's my God box. You get your own. Put your stuff in there. Amen? And I was reading in a book about a God box. And here's what you have to do with the God box you put the stuff in there and you pray about it, and you leave it in the God box. Until you start letting yourself worry, because when you're worrying, what you're saying is, God, I don't think you can handle it. And what you're doing is you got to go over there and say, Look, God, right in the eye and say, God, I need that one out of the God box because I don't think you can handle that one. You going to tell God that? I'm going to leave it in the God box. Amen. God can handle it. God's bigger than your storm. You've tried everything else. Why don't you try prayer? Why don't you try fasting? Why don't you try faith? Why don't you start redoing your brain and your heart? Can you face your Goliath like David did? I love what he said in 1 Samuel seventeen twenty-seven. When everybody else was afraid of Goliath, David spoke to the men who were standing by him saying, what will be done for the man who kills this Philistines and takes away the reproach from Israel? For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should taunt the armies of the living God? Everybody said, oh, he's too big to hit. No, David said, he's too big to miss. I'll get him. I'll get him. When he went out there, he said, you come to me with javelins and a sword and a spear, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts. You going down. That's the Gaines version. <laughs> you going down, big boy? One little rock with God is bigger than every shield and spear in the world. Where are the spiritually strong Christians today? Where are the men of God today? Paul called them out in 1 Corinthians 16, 13. Be on the alert, stand firm in the faith. Act like men, be strong. Don't be a coward. Run to the battle. Pray bold prayers, brave prayers. Be a man of God, be a woman of God in a time of storm. Jesus can calm any and every storm. Jesus can calm any or every storm. Jesus can calm any and every storm. Let's give him praise right now. Amen. So, what do I do? Last thing, number five Jesus expects you to trust him in the storm. He expects that. You know what? Look at me. He deserves that. He is trustworthy. He said to them, Why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? Verse 40, he cut to the chase. He revealed the point. Why he took them through that storm. Look at me, God doesn't waste storms. God gives you the storm. If you're in a storm, God's trying to do something in your life that he couldn't do any other way. Has he got your attention yet? Are you praying yet? Have you gone to the level of fasting yet? Have you said, whatever it takes, I'm coming through this storm. I'm going to learn what God wants me to learn. I'm going to be what God wants me to be. I'm going to do what God wants me to do. I don't care whatever happens. Let it come. I'm not asking for it to come. But whatever comes, I know that God can handle my storm. And he's going to teach me through this storm. And I'm going to learn something in this storm that I never would have learned without this storm. So, Lord, I really thank you for the storm. Their storm exposed their spiritual immaturity. It exposed their fear, their sin of fear. To fear anything besides God, are you ready for this, is idolatry. Because what you fear is actually what you worship. Because fear means that you literally value it. Whatever you fear, you worship. You fear it. You revere it is what the word means. And whatever you revere, you worship. And what you're saying is, when you, when you fear your storm, more than you fear God, look at me, this is tough. Swallow it. When you fear the storm, more than you fear Jesus, you reverence that storm more than you reverence Jesus. Hear what I just said? And that's bad. That's bad. Verse 41, they became very much afraid. A brand new kind of fear. This is the fear of God. They're worshiping the Lord now. They said to one another, who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? Jesus turned their fear into a sacred fear. And he expected them to trust him. And he expects you to trust him in the storm. He expects you to trust him in the storm. He doesn't want you to run like a coward when the storm shows up. He doesn't want you to run in. You don't need to go try to find a storm, but I mean, you know what? They'll come. I want to say this to you. I've been living as a Christian a long time. And this is true. I heard somebody say this years ago. Christians are either going into a storm, in a storm, or coming out of one. God uses storms. God uses troubles. Your storm might be fear. It might be discouragement. It might be an antagonistic enemy at work. You may have a literal demon tormenting you. Messing with your mind. He said, well, I'm a Christian. That can't happen. The devil messed with Jesus. Who in the world do you think you are? Yeah, he can come after you. Regardless of your storm, Jesus is your solution. And he expects you to trust him in the storm. Jesus has said in John 14, 27, peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I quote this all the time. Peace I give to you, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled. Don't let it be filled with fear. I pray it like this. Lord, peace you leave with me, your peace you give to me, not as the world gives to me. Put it back on the screen if you would. Peace you leave with me, your peace you give to me, not as the world gives do you give to me. I will not let my heart be troubled. I will not let it be filled with fear. Do you see how you can turn that verse into a prayer? I'm not going to live in fear. I'm going to fear him. But I'm not going to live in fear. Philippians 4, 6 says, be anxious for nothing. So whenever I'm anxious for something, that's sin. When you disobey the word of God, that's sin. Well, I can't help it. Yes, you can. I don't know how. I'm telling you. I'm telling you how. Replace that fear with faith and start trusting in the word of God, the promises of God. And keep believing no matter what. No matter what. Why? Because God never puts fear in you. God never puts anxiety in you. How do you know that? Second Timothy 1, 7. God hath not given us a spirit of fear. Say it with me. God hath not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. So, what am I going to do when those thoughts come my way? You're going to take them captive to the obedience of Jesus Christ. 2 Corinthians 10 4 through 5. The weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but are divinely powerful for the destruction of fortresses, strongholds, for our destroy, for we, we are destroying speculations. You know what the speculations The what ifs of life. The vain imaginations, all that crazy stuff that goes on in your mind that the devil puts there. Oh, what if this happens? Oh, what if that happens? Oh, what's going to happen to America? Oh, what's going to happen in politics? Oh, what's going to happen in the economy? Oh, the stock market's falling. Oh, hello? It's all over America. Don't act like you don't know what I'm talking about. See, I'm not listening to all that stuff. I'm changing the channel to channel Jesus. I'm not going to listen to all that stuff. I take those thoughts captive. We are destroying speculations, all the what ifs with the what is. And what the what is is the word of God. Every lofty thing raised up against the knowledge of God. That's the word of God. And we're taking every thought, not some thoughts, but every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. You can walk out of this church and have a thought that you need to say, no, that ain't happening. I'm preaching, amen. I'm having fun too. And I don't really care what time it is. I really don't. I'll tell, you what time, I'll tell you what time it is. It's time for Christians to stop walking in fear and start walking in the promises of God and walk in faith, not by sight. It is time for us to take our thoughts captive to the obedience of Jesus Christ and not listen to the fear of the world and the discouragement of the world. It's time for us to walk like we have the Holy Ghost in our hearts. It's time for us to be the men and women of God that God wants us to be. Amen. That's what time it is. Yeah, God gave me this one. Why are you afraid? Why are you discouraged? Christ is in you. Christ is in you. King of kings, Lord of lords, King of kings, Lord of lords, stay with me. King of kings, Lord of lords, King of kings, Lord of lords, the next time that fear comes up just start shouting like that. King of kings, Lord of lords. If you're on a bus, say King of kings, Lord of lords. <laughs> if you're around me, say King of kings, Lord of lords. I'll shout with you, amen. I know what's going on. Amen. Whew. Man, if we'd get this one, we'd be good, amen. If we'd get this one, we'd be good. What'd you say today, preacher? Jesus promises to bring you through your storms. Jesus does not promise to prevent your storm. Jesus modeled exercise in faith during the storm. He slept like a baby while the disciples screamed. I tore the page on my Bible. I don't care. <laughs> Jesus is able to calm any and every storm, and Jesus expects you to trust him in the storm. I've seen the lightning flashing. I've heard the thunder roll. I've felt sin's breakers dashing, trying to conquer my soul. Oh, but I heard the voice of Jesus telling me still to fight on. He promised never to leave me, never to leave me alone. The world's fierce winds are blowing. Temptation is sharp and keen. But I have a peace in knowing that my Savior stands in between. Jesus stands to shield me from danger. When all my friends are gone, he promised never to leave me, never to leave me alone. When in my afflictions valley I tread the road of care, my Savior helps me carry my cross so heavy to bear. Though all around me is darkness and every joy is gone, my Savior whispers his promise, I'll never leave you alone. He died on Calvary's mountain. For me, they pierced his side. For me, he opened the fountain, that crimson flowing tide. For me, he walked, he's waiting in glory. He's sitting on his throne. Oh, he promised never to leave me. Never to leave me alone. No, never alone. No, never alone. He promised never to leave me. Never to leave me alone. No, never alone. No, never alone. He promised me. He'd never leave me. Never to leave me.